Artemisin and derivatives, used in carefully developed combinations, have long served as the first-line drugs against most uncomplicated malaria infections. But concerns about possible resistance have emerged from reports about a slowdown in the clearance of parasites in patients treated with artesianate in Southeast Asia. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Sanjeev Krishna, a professor of molecular parasitology and medicine at St. George's, University of London. Dr. Krishna has co-authored a perspective article about responding to delays in parasite clearance in patients with malaria. Dr. Krishna, can you start by telling us a bit about the history of the artemisinins? How were they discovered and why have they been so effective? It's a fascinating history, actually, because artemisinins, at least the source of artemisinins, the plant, Artemisia annua, is in the annals of Chinese history from way back when, in the medical chronicles, even in the Yellow Emperor's classic, for example. And really it was during the Vietnam War, the last century, that when it became clear that participants in the war, both sides actually, both the Americans and the Vietnamese, were suffering and actually often dying from malaria more frequently than from issues related to the war directly itself, that Ho Chi Minh contacted Mao Zedong at the time and asked for his help to develop new anti-malarials. And the Chinese regime being what it was at the time, Mao and Chou Enlai managed to sort of harness a lot of the Chinese expertise dotted around various institutions of China to begin drug discovery programs for anti-malarials. And so it was that in the very late 60s, early 70s, that screening started to take place. In those days, it was actually using animal models of malaria. And it turned out that the extracts from this plant, sweet wormwood, sweet annie as it's called sometimes, Artemisia annua, proved to be very potent and effective as antimalarials. And this discovery, of course, was made by a collaborative team of scientists but the credit and the recognition for that discovery goes to the recently awarded Nobel laureate to UU. You write in your perspective article that delays in parasite clearance in patients treated with artesianate have led to concern about artemisinin and resistance. What have those delays meant for patients? Have they still been able to be successfully treated? That's a great question. Now, if you look at other drugs, and not artemisinins. Often, when parasite clearance becomes delayed when you're treating with other classes of antimalarial, then that delay becomes worse, and then the infection virtually stops responding to treatment, and that becomes what we call full resistance to that class of antimalarial. So the real worry was that this is what might be happening with the artemisinins themselves, that there is a delay now which is quite clear, quite obvious in certain parts of the world in Southeast Asia, and that this might then be indicating the risk that artemisinins are now failing. And it's taken a little bit of time and a little bit of thought to understand what this delay really means. Now, in order to understand it, we ought to just step back and say, well, what is the, the usual treatment course for artemisinins? And in fact, even in the early discovery days, it was obvious that you had to treat for a week or 10 days to get cures from malaria with artemisinin when it is used on its own, when artemisinin is used as a monotherapy. But recently, in the last 20 or so years, artemisinins have been combined with other classes of antimalarial. And what this has meant is you can shorten the treatment duration to three days instead of seven days. So what we've ended up with is a situation where you have a delay because the artemisinin part of the treatment is associated with a delay in the clearance of parasites, but if the partner drug in the combination 
is working, then the infection is still cured. Or you could look at it another way. You could say, well, there may be a delay in parasite clearance, but let's give a full treatment course of artemisinin, which would be seven days or 10 days, as I've said. Does that still work? And the answer is that despite the delay, yes, the artemisinins are still effective. So how does our understanding of that mechanism, the mechanism behind these observed delays, what does that tell us about how treatment failure should be managed? I think it's a complex and debated question, and that's why it's so helpful for these types of discussions in journals and in this type of medium to take place. How should we manage parasites that have a delayed clearance when they're treated with artemisinin combination treatments? I think the first step, which is what I've hinted at in my previous answer, is that we must really focus carefully on the partner drug and how effective that is in the combination treatment. So whilst the delay in clearance to the artemisinin itself tells us that there might be something going on with drug resistance, what I've suggested is that actually, more often than not, it is the partner drug resistance in the parasite which is causing the treatment failures. So the first thing is to say, well, let's get the combination right. Let's get the partner drug that we're using to treat with the artemisinins. Let's get that one effective and potent. And we have a variety of combination partners that we can choose. So the idea is to get the optimal combination treatment right first time for the treatment of patients in particular parts of the world. And for that, we really ought to be very responsive to the patterns of drug resistance to the partners in artemisinin combinations. So do you expect that we're going to see more widespread adjustments to those combinations and perhaps even to treatment duration from region to region? Well, that is a real hope that the national programs, because it's the national programs in these areas that are responsible for managing, containing, treating malaria. The hope is that these national programs will be able to both acquire the information they need and then respond to it rapidly, as you're suggesting. So that would be one way of actually managing the infections. The other way, which you also implied in your question, is taking combinations that may not be working as well as they used to and then modifying how we use them. So, for example, perhaps increasing the treatment course that we're using. We do this with antimicrobials, other antimicrobials, when resistance might be emerging. And that sometimes restores the efficacy of these antimicrobials. And we also know that this would be useful with the artemisinin combination treatments. Finally, you say in your article that there have been some encouraging results from efforts to develop alternatives to artemisinins, but that a next-generation antimalarial that compares favorably in terms of potency, safety, risk of resistance, seems unlikely to emerge soon. So what are the barriers to discovering and developing new antimalarials? That's another very interesting question, Stephen. Really, the barriers for antimalarials are, in general, the barriers to the development of any new drugs. So first of all, you need rigorous clinical trials that are carried out to the right standards so that the efficacy and the safety of new drugs and then drug combinations are assessed properly. But you've got to add to that also the multiplication factor that you're working in challenging environments, in tropical environments. And also you're dealing with a disease which for the most part is an infection that affects children. So when you put all these factors together, whilst there are developments which can shorten the research times that are needed to, to confirm that a new drug is safe and effective, 
For example, there are now volunteer human infection models of malaria that we can use to test some of these properties of new antimalarials. In the end, you've got to go to where the malaria parasites are most frequently affecting children and do trials in these countries to establish the real value of a new treatment. And that's not altogether a straightforward proposition often. And it's also a relatively expensive one. Thank you, Dr. Krishna.